Well, it is a blessing to be here with you all this morning. Thank you, Pastor Cole. Thank you, church, for having us in. And uh, we're thrilled that we get to take the gospel light to England. You know, England at one time sent out missionaries all around the world, but today it's a dark place, and uh, it's not what it used to be. You can go and you can see the, the heritage of the past. You can see the landmarks uh, of men of faith of the past, but today it's a very secular country in need of the gospel light. Only 25 independent Baptist churches in the entire country. What a great need there is today. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Mark chapter 4 with me. We're just going to preach from a familiar passage this morning that uh, many of us, I'm sure, have read this passage. We've heard messages from this passage, but this, this passage and the thought here encouraged my heart as we take the gospel light to England. It's not going to be an easy place. It's not going to be a place where we may see thousands come to know the Lord. It's, it, it may be a long, difficult road, but we serve a great God, as we heard this morning, and there is the power of the gospel, and, and just because a place is hard or just, beca- just because a place is difficult doesn't mean that we shouldn't go there. Uh, just because we may not see thousands get saved doesn't mean that we don't still need to spread the gospel message, and so we have a responsibility to do that. In Mark chapter 4 this morning, before we get in the message this morning, I'll, I'll share a little story here. Uh, not long ago, I was at a coffee shop, and I was, uh, I was getting a cup of coffee and doing some work. And uh, I walked around the front of the coffee shop while, to leave, and I heard a, a gentleman on the phone, and I could tell he had a British accent. And so uh, the Lord said, you need to give him a gospel track. He was on the phone, but I, I gave him a gospel track, and he said, hold on a minute. He said, I'm, I'm finishing up a video here, and he's like, I want to talk with you, which uh, that's not normal for, for British people to want to speak to somebody that, that is handing them a gospel track. And so I sat down and began to share the gospel with him, and, and we had a, a really good conversation for about an hour. I talked with him, and he was asking me questions, and I was sharing scripture with him. Well, during that time of doing that, uh, I had on the, on, the, on the table, there were all these different drinks, and I had just thrown away my coffee, but this guy had two two bottles of water and a cup of coffee, and I'm sitting there, and as I'm talking, I reach over and I grab a cup of coffee and I take a drink. (laughs) As soon as I did that, I realized that was not my coffee. (laughs) So this morning when they were asking me about water and they said, I'll get you a new cup, I chuckled because I was thinking about that story of when I took a drink from his cup of coffee. You know what I did next? I don't recommend doing this, all right? I stand up and I spit the coffee out of my mouth. Then I asked the guy, I said, you don't have AIDS, do you? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Some, you know, some of the harebrained things that we say sometimes. And uh, you know what? That guy, he still listened to me. He said, I can't believe you would take a drink from my cup of coffee. <laughs> you know, he didn't answer my question. about. <laughs> but uh, I'm still alive. I'm still healthy. Praise the Lord. And uh, praise the Lord that we can share the gospel and... The Lord still uses us, even though we do some harebrained things sometimes. All right. Mark chapter 4 and verse number 3. We see here the Bible says, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. And the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. 
And other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some thirty and some sixty and some an hundred. And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Go down to verse number 13. And he said unto them, this is Jesus speaking, Know ye not this parable? And how then will ye know all parables? The sower soweth the word, and these are they by the wayside. Where the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately, and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise, which are sown on stony ground, who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended." And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some an hundred. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you and thank you, Lord, that we can be here this week for Missions Conference. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, this emphasis that we can have, Lord, on getting the gospel light around the world. And I pray, Lord, that each and every one of us would do our part to be the witness that we ought to be, that each and every one of us would do our part to invest in missions to get the gospel around the world. Lord, we pray that you would bless this morning and fill me, Lord, with your power. We pray that our hearts would be tender to what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Here in this, in this chapter, we see that there's a sower. And that sower could be anybody. That sower is not given a name. It's a parable. And that sower, uh, it ought to be you. It ought to be me. We see here that he has a seed. And the seed that he is sowing is the word of God. And I praise the Lord for the seed, the word. There is nothing wrong with this seed. It's a perfect seed. It's a perfect book. And I praise the Lord for the King James Bible. And I praise the Lord for the opportunity to preach the word, for the opportunity to tell others about Jesus Christ. And here we see that as he went out, he sowed, and he was faithful to do his job. He sowed that seed, and you see as he sowed, there were different types of ground that the seed fell upon. Some of it was the wayside ground, some of it was stony ground, some of it was thorny ground, and some of it was good ground. And you know, as a Christian, as we go out and we sow the seed in this world, there are going to be people with different types of hearts. There is going to be different types of reception. There are going to be some who are ready to receive the word. There are some that are going to be carnal and caught up with the cares of this world. There are going to be some where the devil comes along and as soon as you present the gospel to him, there's some type of family distraction or some type of trouble, some, some type of uh, distraction that the devil will use in their life to take that seed that was sown and destroy it. And there are those that have a stony ground, a hard ground. They are caught up. They have things in their heart, things that are buried beneath the surface, maybe uh, some things in their past, maybe some anger, maybe some bitterness. Maybe uh, they knew somebody that was a Christian and they, they did something wrong. They wronged them in some way. And so that, that, that stony ground is not ready to receive the word of God. But I praise, the, I praise the Lord for the word of God. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 12, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing sunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And I praise the Lord as an, as an 11-year-old boy. When I heard the gospel message, I remember as an 11-year-old boy being in Sunday school and my Sunday school teacher, he said, You can't get to heaven because you're a good kid. You can't get to heaven because your parents are Christians. 
You can't get to heaven because you're here in church every week. And you know what the Holy Spirit did? The Holy Spirit convicted me of my sin, of the fact that I was a sinner, that I needed to be saved. And, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't lived, you know, a, a life of, uh, a long life at that point. I hadn't, you know, gone to prison. I hadn't gone to jail. I was an 11-year-old boy. But you know what? I had lied to my parents. You know what? I had, I had fought with my brother and sisters. I had, I had disobeyed my parents. I had broken God's law. And the Bible says if you offend in one point, you have broken all of them. And sin is the transgression of the law. And you know what? It, it, you don't have to, to kill more than one person to be a murderer. You don't have to tell more than one lie to be a liar. And you don't have to sin more than one sin to be a sinner. And as an 11-year-old boy, boy, I had sinned many times. And, I, and, and as I sat there in that class that morning, I knew from the Holy Spirit of God that I was a sinner that deserved to die and go to hell because of my sin. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. And what that means is that uh, just as somebody who works a job, they get a paycheck for, for, the, for the work that they do, so too, because of the fact that we're sinners, when we sin, we deserve hell. We deserve eternity in hell. And the Bible talks about there being a second death. And that second death is when death and hell are cast into the lake of fire. And as an 11-year-old boy, I realized that I was going to die and go to hell. I went to the next service, and our pastor preached a clear message that morning on hell. And I tell you, as he was preaching that message, the conviction was so strong. I knew that if if Jesus were to come right at that moment, I was not going to go to heaven. I knew that if I died right at that moment, I was going to go to hell. And I knew as soon as that invitation started, I needed to get down to the altar. I went down to the altar that day, and my Sunday school teacher was an altar worker. And I I knew the scriptures. I grew up in church. I grew up in a Christian home. But he opened the word of God to me, and it was like I was looking at it with fresh eyes. And the Holy Spirit said, he was speaking to me, and I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ that day for the forgiveness of my sins. Boy, there is power in the gospel. There is power in the word. And yes, there may be different types of ground. There may be, uh, there may, we may say even there are different types of countries. Some are fertile ground. You look at Mexico and you look at, you look at other places around the world, maybe Africa and, and, and Asia or at different t- parts around the world. You may say, well, this is a hard country. This is an easy country or this, this has hard ground or this has fertile ground or this has stony ground or this has carnal ground. And you, you look at America today and you can say, well, America has carnal ground and nobody is, nobody is put, you know, wanting, wants anything to do with God and nobody uh, has time for God anymore, and, and, and it's a secular country. You could look at England, and you could say it's, a, it's, it's got hard ground, and it's, it's a difficult place, and it's a secular country, and, and uh, 72% of the young people ha- want nothing to do with God. You could look there at, at England, you could say, well, only 1% to 2% of the people go to church on a regular basis, and you could say, you could look at England, and you could say, well, there's 53% of the population as a whole that have no religious affiliation, but let me tell you, we serve a greater God today, and we can look at stats we could look at numbers we could look at people but the bible says here that there was a sower that went out to sow and the sower wasn't saying i'm going to only share the gospel with this person i'm only going to share the gospel here in this place i'm only going to tell this person i'm only going to i'm going to withhold it from this person because they don't look like they want to receive it no the sower went out to sow and it didn't matter who who was there he was just sowing and giving out the seed and let me tell you we have a good book we have we have a seed there is nothing wrong with this seed and we have a responsibility today as a sower in this parable to get that seed out as i was reading this passage i was encouraged with this thought that anybody can reach somebody for christ anybody can reach somebody for christ for 10 years i worked in the oil and gas industry and 
I had the opportunity at different times to train people uh, to do the job that I did. And, and one of the things that I would tell people when I was training them and they were new on the job that, uh, how do you eat an elephant? I would ask them. I would say, how do you eat an elephant? And they would kind of look at me strange and I would say, one bite at a time. And, you know, how do we reach this world for Christ? One soul at a time. You know, we look at the, the numbers and we see that we have almost 8 billion people in this world and we may look at it as a whole and think, boy, how can we reach this world for Christ? It seems as though it's a daunting task. You think about when, when the Lord gave uh, the Great Commission there before he ascended into heaven to his disciples. And, and yes, there, was a, uh, there were much fewer people that lived on the earth at that time, but they didn't sit around and say, well, I don't know how we can do this. They waited until they were endued with power from on high, and as soon as the Holy Spirit filled them, they went out and they and they preached the gospel to every creature. And they, you can look at the the missionary journeys of Paul. It didn't matter who it was or where he was going. Everywhere he went, he shared the truth of the gospel message. Boy, we could sit around all day and we could say, "Boy, I don't know how we can do it." We could be like a armchair football coach, you know, from your living room and you're watching a football game and you're, you're trying to, you know, if I was the coach, I would do this and, you know, they shouldn't be running that play and, and, you know, you're sitting there and you, you know, you know what's best, but you're not there on the sidelines. I heard it said recently, you know, it seems that in our, in the churches here in America that many people are looking for missions minded churches. They're looking for churches that are soul-winning churches, or they're looking for churches that are right, uh, they use the right Bible, they're right on doctrine. But then, when you ask them, well, what, how about you? You know, what, what Bible do you use, and why do you use it? What about, what do you believe about the doctrines of the Word? What do you believe about, you know, the blood atonement, and, and the virgin birth of Christ, and all these things? You know, what do you, are you a tither? Are, are you a missions giver? Are you a soul winner? Because, you know, being a part of a church that is a soul winning church or being part of a missions minded church, that's great. But that doesn't mean you're missions minded. Being, being a part of a church that is a soul winning church, that's great. But that doesn't mean you're a soul winner. And each and every one of us, we have a responsibility to sow the seed. When Jesus gave the Great Commission, he gave it to the disciples there and he, he gave it to the, to the believers that were gathered there. And let me tell you today that the Great Commission is for every believer. It's not just for the missionary. It's not just for the pastor. It's not just for the Sunday school teacher. It's for every believer. Let me ask you this morning, are you doing your part to reach somebody with the gospel of Jesus Christ? If you turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 3, I believe this will help us in light of this passage this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and verse number 3. In the Corinthian church, there was a lot of fighting, there was a lot of discord, and they were fighting over, you know, this guy, Paul, he led me to the Lord, or, you know, I'm of Apollos because he led me to the Lord, and, and that wasn't of God. And, and you know, we ought not uh, look at this matter of, of soul winning or winning souls to the Lord as a matter of pride because it's, it's God that gives the increase. We're just tools in his, in his hand, and that's how we ought to look at it, that we're just tools of the Lord, that we are servants of the Lord. But we see here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 3, it says, For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Verse number 7, So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God 
that giveth the increase. You know, as, as we go out and we sow the seed, we have to remember that it is God that does the work. We're just, we're just out there. We're tools of the Lord sowing the seed. We're not responsible for where that, soul, that seed lands. We just are to share that seed with everybody that we come into contact with. But let me tell you, some will sow and some will water, but it is God that gives the increase. And we have to remember that here today, that the Lord can do it, that the Holy Spirit, He can do it. When Jesus ascended up into heaven, when he, before He gave the Great Commission, He said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And when He, when he said go, He said, I want you to go ye therefore he was saying i want you to go in my might i want you to go in my power i want you to go in my strength he's saying i have all all power in heaven all power in earth the devil he may have some power he may be the prince of the power of the air but i have all power any power that he has i've given to him and when you go out and you go give the gospel you are going in my might and my power praise the lord for that anybody can reach somebody for jesus if we were to go around the room today, we were to take a poll, if you will, of great patriots of the past. We might have uh, different people we have mentioned, like George Washington or maybe General Patton or different people, Patrick Henry. If we were to go around the room tonight and uh, we were to ask of great songwriters, great hymn writers of the past, we might say somebody like Fanny Crosby or P.P. Bliss. But when you think about those great patriots of the past or generals of the past, or you think about those great hymn writers of the past, they have a great name because of the amount of songs that they wrote, or they have a great name because of the number of men they led, or or something along those lines. But you think about the generals of the past, like General Patton, he wouldn't have been a great general without the men that followed him, without the individuals. You think about the, the great hymn writers of the past, their hymns wouldn't be famous unless we sung them. Unless somebody, a, 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 somebody who is spirit-led gets up and, and, and the Lord directs and guides of which songs to sing behind the pulpit, of which songs to sing and lead the congregation in those songs, those songs wouldn't be famous unless there was an individual that followed or the leading a person or the leading of the Lord. So too, in this matter of reaching souls for Christ, it takes an individual who says, I will follow God. Who I, I will obey the Lord. I will obey the leading of the Lord. And as we go through this message today, I want to point out a few things, simple things from this passage and how we can reach somebody for the Lord, how you can reach somebody for the Lord. You may say, I'm nobody. Uh, Nobody knows my name. I I don't have the ability. I don't have the strength. I don't have the know-how. Let me tell you that God, he didn't give you a commission without giving you the empowerment, without giving you the power to do it. I love 1 Thessalonians 5.24 that says, Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. If God's given us a command, he's going to give us the power and ability to be able to do that. In Mark chapter 4 and verse number 3, it says, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. Simply, the sower was faithful. You know, the sower wouldn't have been uh, he wouldn't have been a sower. Uh, he wouldn't have been called a sower without going out to sow. I think about my, far- my dad uh, who grew up in, in on a farm, and he grew up on a dairy farm, and he would go out every morning uh, early around 5 a.m. and every evening to milk the cows. I think of my grandfather who was a crop farmer, and uh, he, he raised cattle, and he had pigs and chickens and all those things. But I think about the, the crops that they raised, how they raised soybeans and wheat and, and corn, 
And uh, if, if my grandfather had left those, uh, the seed in the barn, if my grandfather had left the corn there in the silos and had never taken it out into the fields and never had plowed those fields, never dissed those fields, had never put the seed in the ground, had never fertilized the ground, then there would not have been a crop there to harvest. There would never have been uh, anything there, any grain, any profit from what he had in the silo. And, and so too, as a Christian, if we leave the seed in the barn, and if we don't go out to sow, if we're not faithful to sow the seed, then nothing is being done. If we're not getting the seed out of the barn, if we're not doing the work of God, if we're not sowing the seed, then you're not a sower. You're not a soul winner. And as a Christian, we have a responsibility not just to, to you know, sit on our blessed assurance, but we have a responsibility to get the gospel out to every creature. Proverbs 2, 20 verse 6 says, most men will, will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. You know, we, we, we can uh, sit around and we could talk about, oh, the things of the past. We could talk about, oh, back in the day, you know, I, I, I did this or I did that, uh, you know, and, and all those things. But as a Christian, we have a responsibility just to be faithful. It, it, the, 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 the results are not dependent upon you or me. The number of souls that come to know the Lord is not dependent on you or I. But we are to be faithful. We are to be a gospel witness. I think of Brother Chuck, who was an older man in our church, and he, he was a blessing he was an encouragement because he had kidney failure and he had, uh, he had all sorts of organ trouble. He had transplants and all these things. And yet, in spite of all the health issues that he had, he was a faithful gospel witness. And I love hearing Brother Chuck stand up on Sunday nights during testimony time. And he would tell about how, you know, what God had done in his life that week. He would share something from his devotion and he'd preach a little message, you know, from, from his pew. And, and it was a blessing, though, to hear Brother Chuck because every Sunday, uh, every Sunday morning, he was faithful to pick up kids for church. Every Saturday, he was faithful to go out and, 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 and meet with those bus kids and meet with those families and, and to tell others about Jesus Christ. And when I think of somebody who is faithful, it's Brother Chuck. You know, when I think about somebody that I want to be like, it's a brother Chuck. You know, nobody, you don't know who he is. You, when you get to heaven someday, you'll meet him. He's, he, he wasn't looking for fame. He wasn't looking for recognition. He wasn't looking uh, to be put up on a pedestal. No, he was just looking to serve the Lord. And it didn't matter what others said about him. He, he was going to get out there. And, he, and until the day he died, he did. He just got out there and he, he ministered to those bus kids and those families. I love this verse in Mark chapter 10 and verse number 1. It says this about Jesus. And it says, And he rose from thence and cometh into the coast of Judea by the farther side of Jordan. And the people resort again, resort unto him again. And as he was wont, he taught them again. You know what? Teaching people the word of God was part of who God was. Part of who Jesus Christ was. And when he was here on this earth, that was what he did. As he was wont to do. Let me ask you this morning. Is sowing the seed part of who you are? Being a soul winner, is that part of who you are? God may have called you to the hardest place on this planet. He may have called you to the hardest people on this planet. But if God's called you there, you have a responsibility to sow the seed, to be faithful, to get the seed out. Then we see in verse number 4, It says, and it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. And it came to pass as he sowed. Let me ask you this question this morning. Are you sowing? 
Are you involved in your church's outreach to get the gospel out? Are you a, are you a great commission Christian? Are you somebody who is involved not just in giving to missions so that the gospel can go around the world, but are you faithful in your Jerusalem? Are you getting the gospel out here? Boy, as a missionary, uh, I, I get excited when I see uh, people that are excited about reaching souls for Christ. As a missionary, I get excited when I'm in churches where, where you see people that are on fire about getting the gospel out in their Jerusalem because as a missionary, we need strong churches in America. Our job at, to the foreign fields or to prisons or wherever, uh, you know, seed-bearing uh, ministries, whatever the ministry is that God has given us, we can't do what God has called us to do unless there are strong churches behind us. We can't do what God has called us to do unless there are faithful people behind us who are involved in getting the gospel out in their community. You know, if we stop sowing the seed in the Jerusalem that we are in, then our churches are going to die. You know, if we don't keep pressing forward for the Lord, then the devil, he's going to keep pushing back and we're going to get smaller and smaller until we die out. As this brother mentioned this morning, yes, there are churches all across America that are dying today. I heard a stat recently that for every, uh, for every uh, a thousand missionaries that come off the field, there are only 50 that go in their place. I heard a stat recently that Americans spend around $4 billion a year on clothing for their poodles and, and pets. I, I tell you, I was, I was taking a walk. I like to take walks. And I was at a park, and I was taking a walk. They had this mile track, and I saw this older couple coming closer to me, and, and they were pushing a stroller. And I was thinking, oh, that's really sweet. You know, they got their grandbaby out, you know, on a morning stroll. <laughs> And as they got closer, they had this little chihuahua dressed up in a pink tutu sitting in a stroller. And they weren't the only ones. I saw another couple come by. But boy, when you think about how much money do we spend on dog food and and all these extra things when we can be giving to the cause of Christ to get the gospel out, the greatest message in the world, uh, we we have something so precious, so so wonderful as as the word of God, the gospel message, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the message that Jesus saves to the uttermost. When we have something so wonderful, how can we keep it to ourselves? When God has done so much for us, how can we hoard that and use the and use what God has given to us, the resources, the blessings. How can we can we use that for ourselves and not share it with this world? You know, we can make many excuses to not be a gospel witness. In Proverbs twenty six thirteen, the slothful man say that there is a lion in the way. A lion is in the streets. Boy, I remember as a kid knocking on a door. And I was afraid, all right? I was afraid of, of talking to somebody uh, about the gospel. And I remember going with my dad, and he was trying to train me, try to teach me as a young person how to be a gospel witness. And I remember knocking on a door to uh, share the gospel with somebody. And as soon as I knocked on that door, there was a Rottweiler. It went, all right? And that dog, it started barking, and it hit that screen door. And boy, I jumped back, and, it's, and, and it was almost simultaneous. As the dog hit the door and was barking like that, there was a guy that kind of came up, not opening the door, but came up there to the door. And immediately I said, if I were to die today, are you 100% for sure that you go to heaven? <laughs> I thought I was going to die that day. But you know what? Uh, I was able, to, through that experience and other experiences, 
to learn that, you know what, there may be times that you're afraid, but what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And as a Christian, God has called us to do something. He's going to give us strength over our anxiety, over our fear, over whatever the case may be. Any, any excuse that you may have, God's got a greater strength and greater ability to give you, to enable you to do what he has called you to do. I remember this missionary, Brother Edens, who served for over 35 years in North Africa, and I met him as a young person. And I was struck by his faithfulness to the Lord. I was struck by his diligence and persistence in getting the gospel out. And he gave testimony how that he served over there in North Africa trying to reach the Bedouin tribes. And he, he was trying to get the gospel out there among these people that were, that were of the Muslim faith. And it wasn't an easy thing for him to do. And he gave testimony how that... Uh, for 12 years, I believe, he, he would give out the gospel and faithfully do this. He was a faithful man of God, and nobody believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you imagine that for 12 years? Uh, being, you know, can you imagine the prayer letters that you're writing back? You're telling about how you're going from, from this one tent camp to another. You're, you're riding on your camel, and you're taking the gospel to this area in North Africa, and this area in North Africa, and you're sharing the gospel, and, and you're doing it day in, day out, and nobody has believed. Well, he could have given up. He could have thrown in the towel. He could have said, you know what? I'm wasting my time. These people, they don't want anything to do with the gospel. Why am I here? But he didn't quit. Years later, I met him back in 2016, and he was giving testimony to how that as of 2016, they had made a breakthrough. Through all those years of sowing the seed, they had finally made a breakthrough. And they were distributing over 8,000 memory cards with 4,500 MP3 players that had the New Testament and Genesis on them in their own language. And they would take those to those Bedouin uh, tent villages and they would uh, give them to, you know, one family. And then there would be 20 to 25 people that would gather around to hear the word of God played. And there were people that were getting saved and baptized and churches were getting started there in the north, northern part of Africa because there was a man that said, you know what? There may be, it may be hard. It may be difficult. It may seem as a, as though nobody wants to believe on the gospel of Jesus Christ, but I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to continue giving the gospel out. And as he was diligent in his business, as he was diligent to give out the gospel, you know what God did? God blessed it. Praise the Lord. Then I think we ought to be obedient. As according to the word, we see, hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow, and it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. Christian, the Lord Jesus Christ has given us the great commission. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We have been given a command. I don't know how any more clear our Lord could have been and if you are going to be a sower this morning, you have to be obedient to the call. You have to be obedient to the command. Jesus said, all power is given unto me. Do you believe that he has all power? Do you believe that? In your life, do you believe that he has all power? Do you believe that he has vict- the power to give you victory over sin? He does. I can give testimony to that fact that he has all power. He can reach the hardest of hearts. The Bible says that the word of God is like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. Praise the Lord. It is like a sword that pierces even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. It has the ability to get right in there into the nitty gritty of the heart, to divide the thoughts and intents of the heart, to be able to get right into where the rubber meets the road, if you will, to be able to speak to somebody about their need for a Savior. It's, a whole, it's what the Holy Spirit does. He convicts of sin and righteousness and judgment. Are you being faithful to go? Are you being diligent to go? Are you being obedient 
this morning. I think of a man who served over in Mongolia for years with the lepers in Mongolia. And I tell you, it takes faith and obedience to go to the lepers. And he told stories about sitting on the floor in their homes, how that how that there were missionaries that would go and they would, they would not live in their villages, how they would live outside of their villages. They wouldn't go in their homes. But he said, you know what? God's called me to these people and, and, and I have surrendered to that. My wife has surrendered to that. And they lived right among them. That he would go into their homes and he would sit on their floors and he would eat food that they had cooked. And, and they would be handing, you know, pushing a bowl across the floor to him with, with arms and, and different limbs missing. And, and they had prepared this food and he would sit there and he would eat food with them. And he would share the gospel with him. You know, I was struck by his obedience. But God has called each and every one of us to be obedient, to tell our neighbor, to tell our friends, to tell our family about the gospel. And yet we are negligent to do that. And, and you know, if this man who, who, who God called to a leper could be obedient to that, don't you think that we could be obedient in just giving the gospel out wherever we go? And he gave testimony to many coming to know the Lord through his witness. Then we ought to be passionate. Romans 10 verse 1 says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Do you have a desire this morning to see souls saved? I met a family going to Nepal going as a young person, and they gave a testimony how that they didn't feel qualified. They didn't feel as though that God could use them, but they weren't going because they felt qualified. They weren't going because they thought they had some great ability or talent. No, because they had a heart for those people there in Nepal, and they wanted to reach the Tibetan people for, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they went, and it's amazing, as they told their story and as they told it with passion, they sat there in the missions conference that week, and the missionary's wife was struck with the need to get the gospel out around the world. And she put, her offer, she put her wedding ring in the offering plate. She put in her wedding ring in the offering plate with a little note that said, please sell my wedding ring and give the money to missions. Well, the pastor of the church, he received that, that wedding ring. And he said, well, this is her wedding ring. I can't sell this. We're going to send this back to her. Well, they, they had left the church by the time the pastor realized that she had given her wedding ring in the offering plate. And before they could get her wedding ring to her, they were on a flight over to Nepal. And on that flight over to Nepal, their airplane crashed and hit a mountain. And them and their kids all perished in that flight. But you know what? Their testimony lives on through a movie, a video, a missionary video that was made in telling the testimony and showing how they gave a testimony of their calling of God on their lives, the testimony that their family gave of how they were passionate about reaching the Tibetan people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And even though they never reached it, never reached that place, their passion for the, for souls around the world, it reached Hundreds of thousands of people, when they heard their testimony, they were moved and they were challenged and people surrendered to go and reach somebody with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And let me ask you this morning, are you passionate? Are you moved? Is it more than just a a philosophy? Is it more than just your theology? Is it more than just the fact that you're sitting in a pew where, where that is missions minded? Are you personally passionate about reaching souls for Christ? When he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them. Are you moved with compassion? Anybody can reach somebody for Jesus, but you have to be faithful. We have to be diligent. We have to be obedient. We have to be passionate. Do you want to reach somebody? I got this printout not long ago, and I had heard this, I had heard this, this uh, statistic. 
And it, in this paper, it had a printout, and it showed how mathematically we could reach the world for Christ. One reaching one with the gospel. You say, how can we do that? There's almost 8 billion people in the world. How can we reach this world for Christ? Well, you know, if there was somebody who was a great soul winner, and they would reach thousands uh, to, to the Lord every day, and they did that their entire lifetime, in their lifetime, they would never come close to reaching this world for Christ. But when we think about this, one reaching one, anybody reaching somebody with the gospel, we can do it. Well, how can we do that? If one person, if me, if I would lead, let's say, my wife to the Lord this year. And this year I trained my wife, not only led her to the Lord, but she was saved and baptized and discipled to lead somebody else to the Lord. Then the next year, I lead another person to the Lord, and I do the same thing. And I, and I lead, let's say, your pastor, Brother Cole, to the Lord, and he's saved, and he's baptized, and I disciple him and how to lead somebody else to the Lord. And my wife, who was saved the first year, she does the same thing the second year. The second year, she also leads somebody to the Lord and disciples them how to win somebody else. And so now, I've won one person. The second year, I've won another. She's won another. So we start with one, and in the first year, we double to two. In the second year, we double to four, and so on and so forth. Every year, we double. In 32 years, you can reach 8.5 billion people with the gospel. Now, not everybody is going to believe. There, there are going to be many that will go down that path of destruction. There will be many that will turn away. But we could tell everybody in this world the message that Jesus saves in 32 years. What a blessing. It's not impossible, Christian. We just have to get out and do it. With every head bowed and every eye closed... This morning, let me ask you, as we begin this invitation, are you the witness that you ought to be? Are you a faithful, obedient Christian, somebody who is a great commission Christian? Not just giving to missions, but personally being a witness for the Lord. Boy, I can't do this alone, you can't do this alone, but together we can reach this world for Christ. With every head bowed and every eye closed, we'll pray, and then the, as the pianist begins to play... You can come forward and do business with the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that we could be here today. And I pray that each and every one of us, Lord, would be the witness that we ought to be. That we would share the gospel with everyone that we come in contact with. Lord, help us, Lord, to not look to our own strengths or our own abilities, but trust in your power and your might. In Jesus' name, amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed, please join me in standing this morning. If you need to come and do business with the Lord this morning. Come and do business with the Lord today. Boy, what an opportunity we have. What a, what a challenge it is, but what an opportunity to reach this world for Christ. Will you be the one that would say, I will commit to be obedient to the Lord's command. I will commit myself and my time to be the witness that I ought to be. I haven't been lately. I've allowed busyness. I've allowed a number of things to come between me and my obedience to the Lord. But I'm going to get that right with the Lord this morning. You can, praise the Lord, that we can. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness.